A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Fifty-five years ago today, Barbados gained independence from Britain or short, shall be devoted to your service and to the service of our great imperial family to which we all belong. Despite independence, the Queen remained head of state of what's often called the Caribbean's Little England. But today, that comes to an end. After almost four centuries, Barbados has formally cut ties with the British monarchy and declared itself a republic. This is a natural step, almost no different from a child leaving a parent's home. Where Barbados leads, will other realms in the Commonwealth follow? And what does it mean for the royal family? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the end of an era. Barbados becomes a republic. Amid much fanfare and the odd protest, Prince Charles arrived in Barbados late on Sunday. He's there to celebrate and support the country as they bid farewell to the Queen. Matthew Campbell, the foreign features editor for the Sunday Times, made the same journey recently, although he didn't get the Guard of Honour when he landed or the 21-gun salute, and more's the pity. It's a lovely island, obviously well-known as a tourist destination, very popular among British people. It's about the size of the Isle of Wight, uh, about 300,000 inhabitants, predominantly of uh, African descent. It's renowned for its powder-white beaches and rum cocktails and calypsos, cricket, of course. Sounds like a tough assignment. (laughs) Someone (laughs) has to do it. (laughs) It was in 1625 that a British trade ship called the Olive Blossom arrived in Barbados and its crew claimed the island for King James I. Now, nearly 400 years later, Barbados has become the first Commonwealth country to remove the Queen as its head of state in nearly three decades. The last to do so was Mauritius in 1992. Other Caribbean countries like Dominica, Guyana and Trinidad and Tobago became republics in the 1970s. So why now? The majority of people I spoke to didn't have very strong opinions about it. It could be, though, that 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 is because there hasn't really been much of a debate about it, let alone a referendum in which these issues might be discussed. It has been in the air for a long time, though. 
I think there's a generational divide as well. Younger people I spoke to tended not really to care much about the monarchy. The Queen didn't really mean much to them. And of course, there's a general feeling that Barbados you know, has a new Queen, and that's Rihanna, the singer. A very different Queen. <laughs> there are older people who remember even visits by the Queen going back decades. Some of them were slightly sad about it, thinking that it was, you know, the end of an epoch. And I think if there isn't this, you know, groundswell of opinion demanding change, how has this actually come about? It wasn't a referendum. I mean, it has been discussed for for years and years. And, you know, every political party in Barbados virtually has put declaring a republic in its manifesto. And it was in the Labour Party's manifesto, led by Mia Motley, the Prime Minister, who came to power in 2018. She had it in her manifesto, along with decriminalising cannabis and legalisation of same-sex marriage. And actually, the question of the Republic has been not quite as divisive an issue as, as the other two. A couple of people I spoke to, though, were unhappy that there hadn't been a referendum and were saying that you know there should have been more of a debate. And it was a bit like the government cancelling the country's insurance in the sense that Britain until now has been responsible to a large extent for defending Barbados against theoretical threats, military threats or whatever. And now that will no longer be Britain's obligation. And Mia Motley, I know you, you actually met her, you had a long interview with her. Where did you meet and what was that like? Well, we met in her official residence, which is a hilltop colonial era mansion surrounded by lush tropical gardens and very old trees, mahogany trees, breadfruit trees. And as we were speaking, actually, you could hear the screeching of parrots coming from outside. There are also green monkeys, she informed me, but I didn't see any of those. And that's this, this mahogany tree here. Is that a mahogany tree? Yeah, right. Sure. It's the one thing that every time we have bad weather, the first question I ask is, <laughs> is the tree located? Uh, yeah, because you, you know, that's beautiful, isn't it? Isn't that incredible? That's amazing. She was warm and very friendly. She's a charming, affable uh, figure who was fresh from the Glasgow Climate Summit. I'm literally today, that's half the reason I'm so tired. Yeah, I Because in the last 24 hours, everything has gotten very intense. She's well liked in Barbados as well. She has a lot of supporters who all describe her as a very intelligent and impressive leader. And what was her explanation for why she thought now was the moment for Barbados to become a republic? Well, she tends to present it in terms of severing the last shackles of the colonial era, but also Barbados basically growing up and coming to stand on its own two feet. We are facing some of the most challenging times in our existence, and we need to be able to do so as a confident, creative disciplined people. And the first step to confidence is understanding that you are as equal to anyone in this world. Mm -hmm. Under the system until now, the Queen has been a symbolic head of state. She will be replaced with an elected president. And I think that, you know, it's generally felt that this is more normal for an independent country, you know, to have its own head of state, to have a president. And one argument that she and other politicians I spoke to made was that it will allow you know, every Barbadian child 
to imagine that that they could become that they could aspire to this role that to the highest role in the land one day and so that it was it was basically an example of Barbados coming of age this is a natural step almost no different from a child leaving a parent's home And if they do now have an elected head of state rather than the Queen, will it automatically be the, the Prime Minister? Will it be a separate position? Is Mia Motley likely to be a, a head of state? Well, no, they've already elected a president, actually, uh, called Sandra Mason. She's going to take on the role on November the 30th and will be the president from then on, the first elected president. She is already the Governor-General, which is uh, a position that under the current system has been operating for some time. She, as Governor-General, answers to the Queen. And so she, she knows the Queen and has been essentially the Queen's representative until now. And so she will be replacing the Queen. Is one of the, the contributing factors, you know, sort of some of the global movements we've seen over the last year or two with Black Lives Matter... There was the Windrush scandal here. Have all of these things contributed? I think that in some measure they have. Some analysts I spoke to in London, as well as in Barbados, suggested that the Windrush scandal and the Black Lives Matter movement had indeed played into the timing of the announcement that Barbados was going to transition to a republic. There have been Black Lives Matter protests in Barbados. These took place last year. The declaration that uh, Barbados was going to become a republic followed those protests. Perhaps the timing of the decision was linked in some way with the world's sort of global reassessment of racism and certainly the colonial era. And of course, Barbados is very much... Uh, linked with this colonial era and the grim legacy of slavery. And Matthew, amongst the, the people you spoke to in Barbados, I know you also spoke to David Denny, who, who's an activist. What did he say about the, the cutting of ties with the monarchy? Well, he's delighted. I'm very happy that Barbados is becoming a republic. He's a left-wing activist and president of something called the Caribbean Movement for Peace and Integration. And it was he who led the Black Lives Matter protests in Bridgetown. Happy as he is about the transition to a republic and replacing the Queen with a Barbadian head of state. We are totally against the invitation for Prince Charles to come here to Barbados to participate in the celebration for our republic. He deeply resents the presence of Prince Charles at the ceremony, basically saying that Barbados didn't need anyone's permission or endorsement to make this change to the constitution. Well, he's not sort of seen as a, a friendly envoy. Well, not for David Denny. Mia Motley, by contrast, said that Prince Charles is a friend of Barbados. Prince Charles not only has been supportive, the fact that he is coming here for the transition is a matter of great 
prayed for us and for him, I believe. She also was very full of praise for the Queen, describing her as an icon of the past century. We have the tremendous respect for Her Majesty. I think that she will be recorded as one of the iconic leaders of the modern world. And so other politicians I spoke to also said that they had a very good relationship with London and they hoped that this would continue. But for protesters like David Denny, part of the problem with London and with the British state is the reluctance to engage with aspects of colonial history, in particular with Britain's role in the slave trade. Well, this is a big subject, and not only in Barbados. I mean, there have been protests in this country, obviously. Statues have been toppled as well. And also there have been protests outside the Wiltshire home of Richard Drax, the Conservative MP, about his property in Barbados. Give it back! Mr Drax! Give it back! He owns the Drax Hall estate, which is a sugar plantation. In the 1620s, Sir James Drax, an ancestor of the MP Richard Drax, was one of the first English colonists to arrive in Barbados. With huge sugar plantations to run, he became a pioneer of the slave trade in the Caribbean. It's estimated that 30,000 slaves died on the Drax family plantations in Barbados and Jamaica over the next two centuries. Something Richard Drax says he deeply regrets but he doesn't believe he, or the current estate, should be held responsible for the actions of his ancestors. Barbados, from its first years as a British colonial outpost in the beginning of the 17th century, has, you know, it, it basically became a centre of slavery, with Africans being brought across the Atlantic in appalling conditions and then enslaved on sugar plantations. Sugar is still, to this day, produced in Barbados. David Denny is, is leading a campaign to have the Drax estate in Barbados. He would like to see it handed over to Barbados, basically. It would be a form of compensation for abuses of the past. And Mia Motley, though she supports the idea of reparations and has called for reparations, along with several other Caribbean countries, they are asking for Britain to pay reparations for slavery. It is something that still has to be confronted because what you have is a development deficit. And for us, reparations is about balancing back out the development framework. I think the general principle is that, in her view, there should have been uh, a post-independence development pact. And she describes it in the same way as a, a homeowner taking back possession of their home after it's, been, after it's been rented out. And they're finally rid of a tenant and they discover that there are no windows or doors <laughs> and, and the curtains have been taken. And all these, these things need to be replaced. And so you have to look for whatever money you can find to do this. It's not just the past that Barbados is grappling with. There are also concerns about the future. Is the new republic about to swap one empire for another? We'll have more from Matthew in just a moment. And we'll hear from the Sunday Times royal editor, Roya Nikar, on what it all means for the monarchy. But first, a message from Westminster. I'm Henry Zeffman, Chief Political Correspondent of The Times. It's you, listeners and subscribers, who enable me to report on 
what's going on in the corridors of power in Whitehall and Westminster. Get to the heart of the stories that matter every day with The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today. Visit times.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Matthew, as Barbados becomes Republican, it leaves one empire and one sphere of influence. It does look as if it's being sucked into another. Tell us a bit about the growing influence of China on the island. Well, yes, Mia Motley said that because Barbados hasn't been able to develop its infrastructure by itself and hasn't had sufficient support from the former colonial masters, that this has you know, obliged her government to look elsewhere and there's always been a relationship with China, or at least it, it goes back decades to the building of the Cigarfield Sobers uh, Gymnasium in Bridgetown, probably about 40, 35 years ago. But since 2018, when she came to power, the Chinese projects have multiplied. And this is because Barbados has signed up for the so-called Belt and Road Initiative. The Belt and Road Initiative is President Xi's vast global infrastructure programme. It was designed to revive ancient trading routes between Europe and Asia and build new links in the Middle East, Africa and Latin America, extending China's influence across the world. And therefore, there's lots of Chinese loans available, low interest rates, friendly terms. And there are lots of private deals going on as well. The Chinese renovating a tourism resort, developing a giant hotel and spa complex on the eastern coast. They're going to do the roads in a in an upland, I should say a highland district because it's called Scotland District. They're going to actually rebuild the roads and they're doing the sewerage system on the south coast and all sorts of initiatives like that are about to begin. They've been delayed basically because of the COVID uh, pandemic. Also Barbados has taken delivery of 30 Chinese electric buses 
I think China donated a coastal patrol vessel. There's a Confucius Institute in Bridgetown, believe it or not, uh, attached to the University of the West Indies, yes, where you can, you can learn Chinese. And lots of young Barbadians are heading off to Beijing to study Chinese. And so relations with China are very, very good and thriving. And uh, so China is playing an increasingly prominent role in the life of Barbados, to the, to the dismay of some. But you know, to Leah Motley, you know, her argument is that you know, we can have relations with anyone we want. We're an independent country. And when I asked her about China, actually, you know, cloud descended over until then sunny visage. The unconscious bias suggests that we can only exist as pawns of someone. And if it is not the British Empire, it must be the Chinese Empire. Barbados is capable of standing on its own two feet and determining who it can borrow and work and otherwise deal with. I visited one project where the workers were actually Chinese. When I asked the Prime Minister about it, she said that that project had been agreed by the previous government and from now on she, she had agreed with the Chinese that, that they would use predominantly local Barbadian labour, but that they could bring in their technical experts. Whenever we've had projects with the Chinese, we've insisted that, yes, of course, if you're investing your money, you are entitled to have your technical professionals. But the labor predominantly must come. It would be nice, wouldn't it, if, if it could create employment? It has. And the, the whole issue of Chinese uh, workers actually doing the jobs that, that are being uh, agreed between the two governments is very sensitive and annoys a lot of people, I think. So Matthew, this is obviously a big moment for the island of Barbados. It's a big moment for the monarchy here. Is it also a big moment and a sign of things to come, really, in terms of geopolitics? You know, we have had Black Lives Matter. We've had a reckoning with our sort of colonial past and and the issues of slavery. Could this lead to other Commonwealth countries wanting to become republics, ones who haven't already? And are we seeing you know, former British territories being sort of stealthily taken over by Chinese influence. Yes, uh, you're absolutely right. Experts I spoke to suggested that there will be a domino effect. To some extent, we've already seen a first wave of the Queen's realms declaring themselves republics and going their own way. In the 60s and 70s, some people have spoken about the influence of the Black Power movement and say that it triggered a first wave of independence movements. Trinidad and Tobago, for instance, and Dominica have already declared themselves republics. Now what you could see is a second wave. There are other countries nearby, for instance, who will be watching this very closely. Antigua, further north, for instance, you know, has the Queen as its head of state, but may be tempted to follow suit. It has very close relations with China. And certainly there are a whole panoply of British realms, if you like. I think that's the term to describe countries where <laughs> the Queen is head of state. Some of them have, have flown the nest, as it were. But there are still, I think, a dozen or so. And yes, there could be a ripple effect. So how does the monarchy view that prospect? I'm Roya Nikar, and I'm the royal editor of the Sunday Times. Roya is in Barbados covering the transition and Prince Charles's trip, but she spoke to us on the eve of her travels 
about the significance of this moment for the British monarchy. It's a really big moment, actually, because members of the royal family in the past have tended not to attend handovers of realms becoming republics. We have had some members of the royal family back in the day attending independent ceremonies, but in terms of realms becoming republics, this is pretty unique. So I think the message that Charles is sort of sending by going out to this ceremony and spending two days in Barbados as it transitions is, I am the next head of the Commonwealth. You are staying in the Commonwealth, Barbados, and let's continue that friendship. Do we know how the Queen reacted over this? I mean, for her, you know, coming up to her Platinum Jubilee, to be losing part of her realm can't be ideal. I've spoken to quite a few people about what the Queen's views are on this. And the general consensus is that, look, the the Queen is a realist and a pragmatist and the world changes and she, you know, she acknowledges that and embraces it is the phrase I was used. And I think the Queen has always sort of said and the palace have always said it's for each realm to decide their status. It's not for the royal family. It's not for the British government. It's for each realm. Barbados has made this decision after, you know, decades of proposing it. It's finally done it. But I think, as you said, someone who knows the Queen very well, who's travelled with her to a lot of realms, said to me, that as much of a pragmatist as she is, there will definitely be a little period of reflection and possibly a tinge of sadness um, at this moment because it is a break with links to the past as the Queen looks back on her long reign. And, you know, I think that probably will come with a little bit of nostalgia for her. Are there also sort of concerns that Barbados is just the the latest parts of the Commonwealth to to do this? Guyana did it back in the 70s. There haven't been that many. It's rare. It's very rare. But is there a chance that this sort of captures... A moment. And if Barbados does it, others might follow. Well, it's really interesting. And I was talking to um, Philip Murphy, Professor Philip Murphy, who's a Commonwealth expert about this. And his feeling is Barbados is rare in the sense that it doesn't require a referendum transition, whereas most other Caribbean realms would, the remaining realms. That's interesting. It is interesting, isn't it? Because referenda, as we know, and he made the point, are dangerous things politically. And so he doesn't think necessarily there will be a, a huge trigger effect. But what he does think is that other realms where there is a growing Republican movement like Jamaica, which has been mumbling away for years about it, like St. Lucia, and other Caribbean countries will be looking to see what happens in Barbados. We'll be looking to see, you know, whether the popularity of Prime Minister Motley increases because of this. And then they will possibly make their minds up. But I think you have to you have to assume that in the modern age, there is a feeling with some countries there is still a connotation harking back to times of empire. And these countries want to shake that off. And we know that Prince Charles is going out for the transition. Do we know how he views this moment? Again, speaking to people close to him, and he has definitely in the last few years, he has stepped up his travel to Caribbean realms and countries. And I think that's been with one eye with a view to his future role with the Commonwealth. Like the Queen, I think the Prince of Wales recognises that he's quite relaxed about it and sanguine about it and actually is going out to Barbados to sort of support them and sort of celebrate with them. I think for the Prince of Wales, he has an eye on the future. The status of countries staying within the Commonwealth, which Barbados is doing, is much more important to him, particularly as he's going to be head of the Commonwealth. So I think him being there is a sort of sign of, we respect your decision and we're, gl- we're delighted and glad that you're staying in the family of nations that is the Commonwealth. And does that tell us anything about how he views the future of the monarchy? 
I think it probably tells us that he is fully aware that the nature of the monarchy and the role of the monarchy internationally will change when the time comes and when the Queen is no longer around, and that's already happening now, but that there is still a role to play for the British royal family, and that is we have a Queen now who is head of the Commonwealth and we will have a future monarch who it has already been guaranteed now as head of the Commonwealth, and that is that is the role I think he feels is most important for the royal family to play rather than this head of state role, which you could argue harks back to times of empire. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Foreign Features Editor for The Sunday Times, Matthew Campbell, and the Royal Editor for The Sunday Times, Roya Nikar. You can read more of Matthew and Roya's work at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription or in print on Sundays. The producers today were Edward Drummond and Asia Fuchs. The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by David Crackles. If there's a story you'd like us to look into, any ideas for future episodes, or if you have any thoughts on what you've just heard, then do drop us a line to storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.